Good evening, and welcome to the NFL Draft. This, this is 710 ESPN Seattle's presentation of the NFL Draft. Watch the 710 ESPN Seattle Draft Tracker on our video stream at 710sports.com. Come on, man! Day three coverage of the 2021 NFL Draft rolls on here on 710 ESPN Seattle. He's Taylor Jacobs. I'm Curtis Rogers. We'll be joined by Jake Heaps momentarily. But before we get into all that's going on in the NFL Draft, we got to hear from the Seahawks' latest draft pick. That'll be fourth-round corner Trey Brown out of Oklahoma. The pick was made about a half hour ago. He is stepping to the mic now as he takes questions from the Seattle media. All right, we'll get started. Thanks, everyone. John Boyle, you want to start us off? Trey, welcome to Seattle. Just uh, what's kind of going through your head right now? What was it like getting that phone call from the Seahawks? Man, it was a it was a dream come true. You know, uh, just seeing that call, you know, seeing the name just light up on my phone. It was like, man, this is this is it. I finally get the opportunity to come in and uh, work with the twelfth. You know, and uh, make the best of my opportunities. Joe? Trey, I know you played on the outside for the most part at Oklahoma. A lot of draft analysts have you pegged as a slot guy. Do you have a sense of where Seattle wants you to play, maybe where you want to play? I play wherever they want me to play. You know, uh, if that's where they, if they need me inside, I go in there and play inside and contribute right out of the way. If they need me to play outside, you know, I can also do that. You know, my range is pretty wide, so uh, it doesn't matter. So they haven't told you yet? Uh, no, no, not at all. And then are you familiar with I – saw, I saw DJ Reed just sent you a shout-out on Twitter. Are you familiar with him at all? Uh, I've, I've actually been familiar with his play, you know, uh, him him being at uh, K-State and stuff like that. And um, I see we have a lot of sort of similarities and stuff like that, you know, with the same size. So, you know, uh, that that I'm, I'm very familiar with his play. He did kickoff return. I did that stuff. So we got a lot of similar play. Awesome. Thanks, Trey. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Jen? Technique-wise, Pete Carroll has a specific way that he likes his corners to play. How familiar are you with that step kick technique that they use here? I'm familiar with it, you know. Uh, I, we, my coach has taught us some things, but uh, a good thing about me is I have a lot of things in my uh, toolbox that I can uh, usually bring to the table and stuff like that. So it'll be an easy adapt for me and uh, to, to do that right off the bat. Jackie? Hey, Trey, welcome to Seattle. Um, how, how would you describe your play? What kind of player are the Seahawks getting? You're getting a physical guy. You're getting an uh, intelligent guy, uh, a, a fast guy out there on the field, and a guy who's scrappy, you know, uh, a guy who goes out there. and It doesn't matter what size you are, how big you are, I'm going to compete regardless. Uh, size never meant anything to me. And uh, you're getting a guy with a, with, a, with a great scrappy mentality. Curtis? Hey, Trey, congrats. Uh, I... Why do you think you were so good in the big moments for Oklahoma? Why, why did that show up for you? Uh, because, you know, um, somebody needs to make a play, and uh, I want to always be that guy, you know, that you, you can count on. You know, accountability is big for me. So uh, when, when somebody says you can count on me or, you know, you can, that's when you can really count on me to make that play. Uh, I'm not going to let any of my teammates down. I'm there for my teammates, and I'd, I'd rather be the guy that's lifting us up and rather to be the weight on our shoulders. Brady. Hi, Trey. Uh, welcome to Seattle. Brady Henderson from ESPN. Uh, what kind of communication did you have with the Seahawks before the draft, and what were those conversations like? 
I had a quick uh, communication, uh, quick, uh, quick uh, conversation with the DB coach, and uh, we just talked about things. Uh, he taught me a lot of things, a lot of things uh, on the defensive side and stuff like that. And we talked about a lot of film, and uh, he just wanted to pick my brain. So, uh, you know, it was a great conversation with the coach and stuff. It was just good to get around those guys, you know, and uh, just talk football. So it was a great conversation. And, and just to clarify, you said you played inside and outside at Oklahoma. Is that correct? I played uh, mostly outside, but uh, I played inside at the senior bowl, and I did really well at that. So uh, I'm just an athlete. You know, it doesn't matter where you put me. Gotcha. Thank you. Yes, sir. Greg Bell. Hello, Trey. Congratulations. You you mentioned you're familiar with the step kick. What's your familiarity? What have you been taught in it, and, and who taught it? So uh, one of my coaches uh, at, at Oklahoma, his name is Chip Viney, and also uh, Will J. You know, uh, they taught me a lot of those, uh, a lot of uh, different techniques, how I slide kick, you know, whether if the receiver goes that way, I slide, then I kick and try to just go 45 and stay on top of him. So, or we got the inch technique where I can inch, let the receiver dance, and then just mirror him that way. So uh, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very familiar with it. I'm very familiar with it. And I've been taught a lot of things. And you're from Tulsa, correct? Is that where you are right now? Yes, sir. I'm from I'm from Tulsa. That's where I'm at. Hey, do you know Tyler Lockett or his family at all? Yes, sir. Uh, my pops went to school with him. Uh, his his father and stuff like that. Aaron Lockett and stuff like that. So right. we got some really good uh, really good uh, connections with that family and stuff like that. So I'm really I'm really aware of it. Have you learned from him anything about the Seahawks, the the culture out here? My my father. He has a lot of. My father has a lot of conversations with uh with his father, and so there's a lot of things that my my pops tell me about the Seahawks and stuff. That it's a great it's a great place to be, and um you know it just do everything right and y'all do everything well. And you guys are very business oriented, so. Thank you, sir. Congrats. Yes, sir. Thank you. Art. Uh, growing up, Trey, did you uh, pay a little attention to the Legion of Boom? What do you remember? Oh, of course, of course. You know, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas. You know. Um, uh, a lot of those guys, you know, you had the uh, corner out there. Uh, how did Richard Sherman, you know, um, man, I just paid attention to a lot of those guys out there, man. They just did a lot of things well, and they really carried themselves well. You know, that's still, as of now, you know, you still see uh, see the Legion of Boom and the impact that they put on the league now to this day. And this, man, it's very exciting. Thanks. Yes, sir. Masvida. Thanks. Hey. Hey, Trey, uh, congratulations, and uh, welcome to the Seahawks franchise. When I'm looking at the stat here, could you talk about your durability and your consistency in your college career? Yeah, of course. Uh, as far as stats, like, what do you mean by stats, sir? I mean, I'm looking at yeah, the college press. It's showing, you know, how many games you played, how many games you started. It seems like, you know, injuries were minimal, and you were, like, you just played – big in all you all yes sir years. yes sir um I, I was never a guy that got injured and stuff like that and um I wanted to make sure I did everything right in the training room so when I got on the field you know I, I was well prepared from my body was well prepared and after the games I stayed in the training room and that was something that I did and I was big on my body so I could play and you know in the league man if you don't take care of your body you're not gonna last very long in that in, in the league so uh and me playing in the big 12 you know see the ball a lot, see a lot of things, see a lot of big guys. You got to, you got to stay healthy. So I was blessed to be able to, I was blessed to be able to stay, stay healthy. 
And one quick follow-up, your tackling ability, the Seahawks, you know, stress tackling. Can you talk about, because it looks like you made a lot of big-time tackles along with interceptions and pass Yes, sir. Of course. There was a time where I was uh, – my sophomore year, my sophomore year, uh, I was top five on the team in tackles. I had 50, what, 58, somewhere somewhere along the lines and stuff like that. And uh, it was just, man, I just – I pride myself on making plays and tackling, not just being a guy that could just cover. You know, I want to be – I don't want to be one-dimensional. You know, I want to be a guy that can cover, that can do a lot of things and – tackle regardless of what the uh what the circumstances are you gotta you gotta be a tackle to play thank you yes sir nico hey trey uh welcome to seattle uh just wanted to ask uh, you know you just talked about the lob and uh, what the history of this defense has been uh, lately struggled uh, how motivating is it to come into a team where perhaps you could be an immediate impact and maybe bring back that elite uh, feel to this defense uh, from the cornerback perspective? I'm, I'm very motivated. You know, I want to get in um, and get on the same path as those guys that's there right now. You know, uh, I feel like, you know, we can be we can be very special, if not the best uh, secondary in the league. All we got to do is, you know, just create that, um, create that, that team with a sort of like the Legion of Boom. And um, that, that when you when you have a name for yourself, you, you carry yourself and your pride carries along with it. And, you know, that goes a long way for how you play on that field. And so we'll be, we're going to be really dangerous. And I'm, I'm excited to get there and be motivated and just come in there and compete. Bob? Um, yeah, Trey, uh, congrats on, on being picked. Uh, I saw someone called you the best gunner or maybe the best gunner in, in college football last year. Is that, is that something you, you take a lot of pride in? It looks like you returned a lot of kicks at Oklahoma as well. Yes, sir. I, I pride myself on special teams. Like when you say, when you say, what am I, what position I play? I just say I'm an athlete, you know, uh, I do special teams really well. When I get on the field, I'm going to give it my all. Uh, kickoff return, whether it's uh, guard you on the uh, punt return as well. You know, I'm going to try to, every time I get out of here, I'm going to try to destroy you, be the fastest guy out there, and just make those plays. So <clears throat> I pride myself on special teams just like defense. Corbin? Hey, Trey, congratulations. Sorry if you've already been asked this. I jumped on a little bit late, but – Playing in the Big 12, you're going, you're going against some of the most explosive offenses in college football, and then you got to play against LSU in the college football playoff. How much does the experience of going against a lot of big-time future NFL talent help you entering the NFL and the NFC West? It helped me a lot, built my confidence up. I feel like, <clears throat> if we're being honest, I feel like I'm the corner that's played every every top top uh, receiver that there is that was taken in the draft. You know, you got the, all the guys from Alabama, LSU, Tyler Wallace, Jalen Rager, Denzel Mims, you name it, you know, and also practicing with guys like Marquise Brown and CeeDee Lamb. Uh, I was I was prepared, well prepared for it, you know, just being in that league where it's a past savvy league and stuff like that. And, uh, man, I just built confidence in me and I can I can handle anything and anybody. So I feel like I'm, I'm very, I'm very ready for the challenge. Thanks. Art? You had a breakout senior bowl. Uh, what happened in that game that drew a lot of attention to you? Uh, the game, uh, I, it was practice for me. Uh, you know, um, uh, I just came in there and practiced. You know, I uh, came in there, uh, had one mindset. Was, that was to do my job, be me, be the best that I can be. And um, I took over from day one. Uh, I felt like I, what they told me was I led the team in PBUs, and I also had the most interceptions at the senior bowl. So, uh Man, that just shows you what kind of player I am. I'm a competitive player. I do a lot of things, and I pride myself on being one of the best DBs here, regardless of my size. 
And last one, uh, Joe Fan. Trey, one of one of the knocks on you is maybe you're a bit over eager, over aggressive at times, leading to penalties. I'm curious if that's a maybe a fair criticism or critique in your eyes, and and maybe how you go about trying to contain that where you where you can still be yourself, but um, obviously you know in control and, and making sure you're not hurting your team with penalties. Oh yeah, of course. You know, uh, I was I, that's, that's kind of how I was taught. You know, our team, our coach used to tell us if we're not getting penalties, we're not being physical enough. And I think I took that too little. You know, uh, so. Um, you know, that's that's something that can definitely change. You know, my our coaches prided us on getting our hands on the DBs, trying to stop his momentum and stuff like that. So it's basically one of the techniques. But I I can also cover and uh, do do whatever the Seahawks want me to do. Uh, so um, it's pretty fair. You know, that, that I don't think that takes away what type of player I am, that what type of player I am and what I could do. So um, hands or no hands, I'm still going to be who I am regardless. <clears throat> All right, Trey, thank you. And thanks, everyone. Thanks. That is newest Seahawk cornerback Trey Brown, fourth-round pick out of Oklahoma. When we return here on 710 ESPN Seattle's NFL draft coverage, I'll be joined by Jake Heaps and Taylor Jacobs. Let's go! Down this pick the Seahawks have made in the fourth round. Let's go, Jake. That's all coming your way next here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to the Seahawks Draft on 710 ESPN Seattle. Streaming nonstop Seahawks Draft coverage from the first pick to the last on 710sports.com. Joined by Jake Heaps and Taylor Jacobs, I'm Curtis Rogers. And, and guys, a big, big selection made by the Seahawks there in the fourth round. They traded down eight spots, moved back to pick 137, pick up an extra pick in the sixth round. They get Trey Brown, a cornerback from Oklahoma. And I don't know about you guys, but to me, this kind of signals a type of player that the Seahawks are looking for. Not necessarily from size standpoint, but maybe from like experience, because in the second round, they took Dwayne Eskridge, who is 24 years old, had a tremendous senior bowl performance. Trey Brown is 23, soon to be 24 years old, also had a great senior bowl performance. What is it about that weekend down in Mobile where you get all these guys together that the Seahawks just seem to be like so infatuated with? I think there is you know, Jim Nagy being a former Seahawks front office member, but to, it, it just there is a trend going on here with the Seahawks picks. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I think in a given year where you have COVID, you have a lack of reps, you have a lack of opportunity to really see these guys, we got to remember the Senior Bowl is something, as you mentioned, Curtis, that they traditionally scout from and scout very seriously from because of that relationship with Jim Nagy and because they really like the talent that is there, guys. But one of the other aspects about it is that they got the opportunity to get to know him on a deeper level than many of the other prospects because the Senior Bowl provided an opportunity not only to see these guys up close, but also to interview them up close. And so that may have played a factor. But let me tell you guys this, because I, th- I find it really interesting. There was a guy like Robert Rochelle out of Central Arkansas. I thought he fit more of the profile of the type of cornerback that they would want. The Rams end up taking him uh, after their original pick that they had before they traded. But what Trey Brown reminds me a lot of is current Seahawk cornerback Ugo Amadi in terms of his size and in terms of his ability to play special teams. And when I watch him, he's kind of a playmaker at the college level. But this guy brings extreme edge. Like just very quickly listening to him in the interview and then doing a little bit of background and research, 
He is an edgy player. He's tough. He's physical despite his size. And he is going to be a uh, he, he's going to be a complete special teams ace right from the get go. Jake, he's a little bit undersized compared to the traditional cornerback we're used to here in Seattle. 5'10", 185. Can he still bring that physicality that Pete Carroll expects from that secondary position? Or are they going to have to go out and try and get one of those long, lanky corners in free agency or in the post-draft um, free agency period? Is that where they're going to have to address that? Well, they kind of have all flavors. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at their current roster, they've got Trey Flowers. They've got Akila Witherspoon that they had signed who fits the profile. Uh, and then you've got guys like Ugo Amadi, now Trey Brown, now uh, uh, DJ Reed. And I think maybe DJ Reed changed their their thought process about the cornerback position a little bit. And you talk about the physicality and the feistiness and the edge. DJ Reed showed that he could do that at a high level despite being a small guy. And so if they fall in love with this guy's traits and what he can be, um, knowing that the, that the floor is him being a special teams ace, I think that this can be a very good depth signing for you. And let's see if he can come in and compete and be more than that. But in terms of uh, a, a fourth-round selection, a fifth-round selection, You'd love to see these guys turn into starters, but if you know that they're going to compete at a high level, at least in the special teams level, that's a good pickup. You look at what Trey Brown had to say in that press conference that we just heard from. He has not heard from the Seahawks whether they want to have him play inside or outside on the defense, You know whether it be that Nichols corner spot or, or you know challenge Akilah Weatherspoon or DJ Reed for one of those outside spots. Jake, when you look at Trey Brown's skill set and what he kind of brings to the table. Where do you see him fitting in in this defense? Where I see him fitting in is you look at, you know, it's kind of going back and forth on Twitter with Danny O'Neill, you know, asking, okay, you compare him to Ugo Amadi, but is he going to get chances? Ugo Amadi, remember rookie year, I was freaking out during the season because they put him, put the guy on the field. Why not? And, uh, and, and he's proven to be a very good player here in Seattle. Um, but the difference to me is I think that he can compete at inside or outside. And if I'm the Seahawks, I would rather see him compete on the outside than on the inside because I think that what you're going to end up doing is you've already got Marquise Blair that you're going to try to run back at that nickel corner spot. you got Ugo Amadi, who has been experienced and seasoned in that place as well. I think he's more of an outside guy, and I think that he can compete uh, with everybody else there. And if you're going back to the old mantra of always compete – well, this is a great opportunity because I don't think there's a single guy on this roster that you could really pen in as a starter, even DJ Reed, as much as I loved him. We haven't seen him for a full 16-game season, guys, and, and i, I got to be honest, I think that he's got to prove himself again as well heading into this year. So they have another pick. They added the pick in the sixth round there and at number 217. Jake, what would you like to see them address there? Should they move back, get a couple more picks, or is it time to just – add the the last two draft picks, move on from this draft, and focus on that free agency. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really the move that they decided to make. As soon as they uh, – Curtis and Taylor, what was I – I was chanting, team no trade back, yep. and, they, and they did it. I was so proud of them. 56 pick, baby. Woo! But the, the, the move that they ended up making to trade back their fourth-round pick, I think it was a smart one. If you want more bites of the apple in the later rounds, great. Go for that. 
don't sacrifice it for really good talent at the early part of the draft. And so uh, I, I like the move that they ended up making to trade back. They get two more selections here to add to depth. And, and really where I could see them drafting is I could still see them addressing the defensive tackle position. I could see them... Uh, potentially addressing a flyer on an offensive lineman. Um, but really, these are, these are going to be guys that either come in and you feel like they can be special teams aces or you feel like you've got a diamond in the rough, somebody like a Chris Carson in the seventh round, right? Th- those are the types of picks that you're going to see here uh, the, the Seahawks make. And so I think that there's a defensive tackle rotation that they can add to here. Um, but like I said before, uh, this is really going to come down to who you've fallen in love with uh, draft-wise, the sleeper picks, and uh, who you don't really want to compete with everybody else when it comes to free agency and undraft free agents. When you look at these two guys that the Seahawks have made with their picks already, Dwayne Eskridge and Trey Brown, we mentioned the Senior Bowl connection. Both guys had a great weekend in Mobile there. But they're also a little bit older than most prospects in this draft class. Mm-hmm. Both will be 24 once the season starts. When you look at players that are sort of advanced when it comes to their age in the draft, I wonder if the Seahawks are kind of looking at this, like these guys will be able to impact more immediately than somebody who's 20, 21, 22, but also it may run the risk of these guys not having as high of a ceiling as a guy who is 20 and 21, 22, because I mean, look, DK Metcalf is, is younger than Dwayne Eskridge and he'll be in year three already. Uh, You know, Trey Brown's going to be 24 as well. Taylor, when you look at these guys being 24 years old, uh, as rookies, is there a little bit of concern or is this something that uh, may work to the Seahawks' advantage? I, I think it works to the Seahawks' advantage that they come in and they have that sort of, I don't want to call it a veteran mentality, but they're mature, right? And the difference between a 24-year-old and a 21-year-old, especially yeah. in the NFL, it, it's almost amplified. And I'll take that maturity, and and we know the average career of the NFL player is three years, three-some-odd years. So he'll still be in his 20s when the average career number passes by. So, yes, he's a little bit older. But with the past couple of years also, the tread isn't as high on some of these players, right? Some games got canceled, not as many practice reps, delays between the time they actually practice. So, to me... In, in other years, in normal maybe draft circumstances, I might be a little bit more skeptical, especially with both of them being a little bit older. But this year specifically with the weirdness, scouts not really being able to go and conduct these interviews in person until the Senior Bowl or in, in, in these controlled environments, pro days, things like that. So uh, I think specifically this year that it is okay for them to have made those moves for some older, more – quote-unquote, veteran mentality type players. Yeah, I also think, guys, that when it comes to these types of players, I think Taylor makes a great point in terms of their maturity coming out of the gate. But also, when it comes to Dwayne Eskridge, if we're talking about Dwayne Eskridge, whether we're going to sign him to an extension down the road at 27, 28 years old is what he would end up being, I think we're in a really good problem, right? And and we're talking about a guy who maybe your second, he might be your second best receiver down the line, but really he's coming in to be your third receiver. He's coming in to be the electric player that he is. And so I think physically, these guys have the speed. Uh, they don't have the wear and tear that some other prospects do have when they're older, when they're 23, 24. 
Um, and so I'm not overly concerned about it because I think that these two guys have a have a uniqueness in terms of their explosiveness. Uh, Trey Brown, when you watch the film on him, he's very uh, twitchy, meaning his change of direction is is elite. It's excellent. Um, and their playmaking ability, their speed, Eskridge being a, full, uh, a low 4-3 guy and Trey Brown being a 4-4 guy, these guys come in with speed, and that's what I'd like to see them out on the perimeter with, with major, major speed upgraded for Seattle. Coming up next on on 710 ESPN's draft coverage, we'll take a look at Seattle's offense. Now with Dwayne Eskridge in hand, how are they going to be looking heading into the 2021 season? Have the keys been handed over to Russ officially now? And also we'll take a look at some of the more interesting draft picks made here on day three to start the day. He's Taylor Jacobs. He's Jake Heaps. I'm Curtis Rogers. This is 710's Saturday draft coverage. You are listening to the Seahawks Draft on 710 ESPN Seattle. Streaming nonstop Seahawks Draft coverage from the first pick to the last on 710sports.com. Picks coming in fast and furious here on this draft Saturday. Guys, I'm looking at some picks that have been made today and one that really stands out to me. It's two picks made by the New York Jets. They took a running back named Michael Carter in the fourth round. And they took a defensive back named Michael Carter in the fifth round. Two Michael Carters, one draft. Does that just blow your freaking minds? This is the Carter. This is the Carter. (laughs) Yes, it blows my mind. And I'm going to be curious how they differentiate them, right? Is it the classic, hey, you're Mike or you're Michael? Because that that would just be, that would be awful. No one likes to be that kid in school. Uh, So do they have nicknames? I I don't know how this is going to go down, but... Uh, the Jets had to have thought this through, right? That, that's something that they they considered. Maybe you think? Like we're about to take it's two Michael Jets. Carters here. This could get weird. Yeah. How big of a factor is the name? You know what I mean? Like, I, I there are definitely names. Teddy Bridgewater sounds like a quarterback. He sounds like he'll be a good quarterback. Does name factor into the draft process? Possibly. I mean, maybe they just liked Michael Carter so much that they that's that's one of the attributes: height, weight. Michael Carter. Yep. Like that's how they had it the on their true board. Test, the true test is if they can find a third Michael Carter to round out their draft. <laughs> Stay tuned, draft folks. That would be a whole class of Michael Carters. Uh, this is 710 Saturday draft coverage here. Jacob Heaps, Jacob Heaps, Taylor Jacobs. <laughs> it's the Jake and Jacobs in Taylor's last name, your first name, Jake. That True. It's throwing me off here. It's throwing, throwing a two, couple of Jakes here. Uh, but let's take a look at Seattle's offense now that Dwayne Eskridge is a part of it, You know, using some valuable draft capital on a wide receiver, wide receiver three that I think everybody had pointed to as a big need for this offense, really the last need for Seattle's offense at some point in this offseason. They're obviously not going to be addressing that position in free agency once that ramps back up here after the draft. But Dwayne Eskridge, a a pretty versatile guy on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, he's a little little small, you know, what is he, 5'9", 5'10", but he is a burner for sure. But let's look at the Seahawks offense right now with the moves that they have made this offseason. I think Brock Heard pointed it out on Twitter last night, just how much reinforcements they have given Russell Wilson and, and, and just on the offensive line, now in the wide receiver group, bringing back Chris Carson. 
do we think that the keys have now officially been handed over to Russ? Like, is this his offense? Is this if he had his choice? Is this kind of the offense he would build to to give Seattle here going into twenty twenty one? I don't know if it's the offense that he would build, but it doesn't matter. The offense that he has is ridiculous. I mean, you talk about the weaponry that he has right now at his disposal. I mean, it's it's a very exciting. It's hard not to get too crazy with it, but this offense has everything it, it needs to be a top five offense this year. And we saw you know the glimpse of it in the first half of the season. And one of the things that I truly felt was the lack of a additional weapon on third down, a true weapon. I think Gerald Everett can be that guy. And now you add Dwayne Eskridge to the mix and within Shane Waldron's offense, you've got a guy that can utilize taking small plays like a receiver screen, a, th- a smoke screen on the outside, a fly sweep, a slant route, and he can take it the distance. And one of the things that the Rams offense was great at over the past four years was yards after catch. Dwayne Eskridge, or Dwayne Eskridge, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Gerald Everett, those, those four guys all have the ability to make great yards after catch, and I think that that, that ability is going to be better utilized by Shane Waldron in this offense. And for Russell Wilson, Curtis, as you mentioned, they're, I, I think the two the, the guys that have the pressure on them to perform and don't really have a whole lot of excuses is going to be Russell Wilson and it's going to be Shane Waldron. They've got everything they need. Now, in terms of the offensive line, I would have loved to have seen them shore that up with a potential center um, in the draft. But, but hey, they, they feel like Ethan Posick can be that guy. Now, scouting department has to be right on that front as well. Coaches have to coach him up and get that better. But I think that overall they've got everything that they need to, to, to be a dominant offense in the league this year. So walk us through a little bit of put yourself in Russell's shoes. They make the pick wide receiver yesterday. What is he doing today? Are they in contact? What are his next moves when Russell sees a wide receiver go off the board and, and on, a, on his way to Seattle? Yeah, first thing that he's doing is he's trying to get his number and, and get that phone call uh, done, you know, and, and have that conversation with him. And, and then the next step is figuring out when they can get together, right? So is he having to be here at the VMAC? Because, you know, to my understanding that the players, as they made a statement that they are not going to come to the building, they're not going to participate in OTAs. And so uh, is Eskridge going to take a little flight down to San Diego and get some work in with Russell Wilson? I think that's going to be the next step along the process when they can do that as soon as possible. And, and as I said last night with Paul Gallant and, uh, and Michael Bumpus, I think Dwayne Eskridge has all the talent, and I love the mental makeup that he has. It's going to be about how he handles himself as a pro. Does he do what DK Metcalf did when he came in to Seattle and meet Russell where he is? Doesn't matter where it is. You're going to track that guy down. You're going to be in his back hip pocket. You are going to uh, ask him all the questions. You're going to work with him. You're going to build the chemistry. That's what DK did, and they they hit it off and and were able to have tremendous production their rookie season. And that would be my advice to uh, to Eskridge and obviously Russell Wilson to try and make that happen. Now, one good thing for Dwayne Eskridge and, and really the Seahawks in general is that they have had a pretty decent history of wide receivers picked in the second round. Golden Tate, Paul Richardson, D.K. Metcalf, and now Dwayne Eskridge. Obviously, D.K. is probably the very top of of that list of four. Golden Tate has put together a, a, a solid, if not spectacular, career himself. Paul Richardson was was pretty good during his time here in Seattle. Flashy. 
I mean, yeah, he definitely made some incredible catches. I think there was that one in the playoff game against the Lions that kind of sticks out. But when you look at the history of second-round wide receivers picked here in Seattle, for whatever reason, they seem to hit every single time. And Dwayne Eskridge, I mean, coming from a small school, maybe he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. When I look at him, I, I think this is another guy that can fit into, you know, into at least a, a decent level of play here in the NFL. And, and just what is it about the Seahawks in, in that second round that, you know, they've been able to spot a lot of this wide receiver talent? I don't know what it is because if you get a receiver in the fourth round for Seattle, it's like the Bermuda Triangle, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. don't ever pick a receiver Dude. in the fourth round. I don't know what it is. They've they found this sweet spot in the second round, but guys, that's why I was such a big big advocate of don't trade back and having more bites at the apple, quote unquote. It's great to have as many draft picks to see, you know, what which one sticks. But in the Seahawks history. They have been excellent in the second and third round. They've been great. Now, there have been a few flops like Malik McDowell and things of that nature, but you just talk about since 2013, six out of the ten guys have been legitimate contributors for this club and, and, and really good players. DK Metcalf, as you mentioned, Curtis being one of them, and you find tremendous talent like a guy like Dwayne Eskridge and something else, a little piece of information out there that uh, may make people feel better is the Rams were the pick right behind them. And Dwayne Eskridge, when he got interviewed, he kind of slipped up and said, uh, you know, the Rams were going to pick, oh, no, the Seahawks. And so I take that as the Rams were had already called him, the, age, the, the, the Rams had already told his agent that if he's going to be there at 57, they're taking him. And the Seahawks came in at 56 and, and, and snatched him away from the Rams. So if that makes you feel any better, the Rams had the same evaluation on Dwayne Eskridge. And, uh, and I think it's because of the, the playmaking ability he has, the explosiveness that he brings, and the ability to uh, get him and find ways to get him the football. But he reminds me a lot of DK Metcalf in terms of the evaluation from all the mock drafters. Oh, he ran a limited route tree. I don't know what kind of receiver he's going to be. Well, heck with that. Right, DK Metcalf came and blew that out of the water. He worked at it. He grew. Uh, the route tree opened up to him, and I think Dwayne Eskridge can be the same type of guy. And when you listen to him talk, he talked about how he learns about every position, not just one. And guys, I can't tell you as a quarterback, that's like music to my ears. Do we think Shane Waldron is still on the group chat with all the guys down there in LA? Saw that. Hey, let's take Eskridge here at the next pick, and he was like, "Uh, Pete." John, got a little info here for you. Yeah, the, the, I, I've gotten a lot of insight. I haven't reminded anybody that yeah. I'm on this chat still. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, that might be a good point. And you know what's funny is if you look at the 49ers, you look at the Seahawks, and you look at the Rams, their three selections in the second round. 49ers took Rondell Moore, Seahawks take Dwayne Eskridge, and the Rams take Tutu Atwell. Those three guys are basically the same player. The same type of player, small, undersized, electric, fast as all get out, and they all come from the same coaching tree. So I, I don't think that's a coincidence. They all targeted guys that they feel like can play a certain role in their offense and do it at a high level, and I think the Seahawks uh, potentially got the best out of the three. Coming up next here on 710 Saturday Draft Coverage, let's take a look at the NFC West, just how this division is shaping up as we head into the meat of day three here, the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds still to come 
He's Jake Eaps. He's Taylor Jacobs. I'm Curtis Rogers right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to the Seahawks Draft on 710 ESPN Seattle. Streaming nonstop Seahawks Draft coverage from the first pick to the last on 710sports.com. We are in the midst of the fifth round here on Saturday NFL Draft coverage. Seahawks not expected to pick again until pick 217, which is going to be around 2 o'clock this afternoon. We are with you until 1 o'clock here. Jake actually sticking around for an extra hour. He'll be on with, I believe, is it, uh, who's on with you later today, Jake? Uh, It's Tracy Frost and uh, Paul Gallant. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Uh, Tracy. I love her work. I'm I'm sitting uh, in her spot right now, I just realized. Yeah. Oh, man. It's okay. It's all right. She'll she'll get over it. All right, yeah. All right, well, I got big shoes to fill. I got to step it up, guys. I I, I need to get gassed up for this. Big, I don't know about big, but, you know, (laughs) tiny shoes. You have shoes shoes to fill. Yeah, the shoes to fill. Probably not big. Yeah. (laughs) But (laughs) very as we are nearing, as we're nearing sort of the back half of the NFL draft here, I think it's it's a good time to kind of take a look at, at what the NFC West has done. Obviously, the most direct competition to the Seahawks. And the big splash of the draft, the, the pick everybody was waiting for was pick number three on, on Thursday night, and that's Trey Lance going to the 49ers. But looking at the other picks that have been made, you got the the Cardinals going with Zayvon Collins in the first round. And then, I mean, adding Rondale Moore, a wide receiver, to a wide receiver group that already has DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, maybe Larry Fitzgerald, another second rounder, and Andy Isabella. I mean, Kyler Murray cannot complain about having, you know, no weapons to throw to because that is a stout wide receiver group. I mean, when you look at what the Cardinals have done, are they – any closer to the upper echelon of the NFC West, or are they still going to be that team that is probably going to be a nine, ten win team at best? Is Cliff Kingsbury the head coach still? He still is. Yes. Okay, then yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think he's still going to be uh, just <laughs> right there, just not good enough. Uh, you know, look, I think Cliff is a brilliant offensive minded guy. I don't think that he's a culture builder. I don't think that he's a guy that's going to rally a group to make them a top program in one of the toughest divisions in football. Um, That's just how I see it. Now, they have the talent. When you talk about the roster construction of this, I think that they have the talent, and I think that they're brewing something very, very good and very special, and they are going to be an incredibly hard out as they have been to the Seahawks you know, for years down the road, and, and I think that they've definitely gotten themselves better this offseason. But I think that's the thing that the Rams, the 49ers, and the Seahawks have over uh, the Arizona Cardinals is they have culture. They have tangible culture that ends up winning you know, in the second half of the season that wins when things get tough. Um, and, and I think that the, the Cardinals are just young in that aspect. And I think it's, you know, a lot of it has to do with Cliff Kingsbury. And I think that Cliff Kingsbury, you know, this right now the seat – it's lukewarm, and it could get hot based off of what he does with this talent because the the level of excuses aren't there for them. This offseason, which of the four NFC West teams took the biggest step forward, in your opinion, Jake? Um, I mean, the 49ers got their guy, yeah. right, a quarterback in Trey Lance, and it's hard to argue against the 49ers here. Um, I think that the 49ers, if, if Trey Lance comes out and he is able to – uh, you know, really put together a strong rookie season, 
if they stay healthy, they're, they have a roster that is built to go to a Super Bowl, no doubt. So I think that that was a big piece to, to add to them for, the, for Trey Lance. I think obviously the Rams feeling like they were able to get their guy in Matt Stafford. Um, we're going to see how that, that pans out for them. But I would really point to those two teams making the most drastic changes where, as I see the Seahawks being a very consistent team who's been able to make some tweaks and changes to their roster, and we'll see just how special it can be because they're already one of the best teams in the NFL. They're already a, a playoff team. How high is their ceiling? Is it Super Bowl? That remains to be seen, but I think they've made the necessary adjustments to give themselves at least a chance to, to make that happen. I think one of the more underrated picks made by an NFC West team this weekend has been the 49ers taking running back Trey Sermon from Ohio State. And mm, it's a Kyle Shanahan call. offense, which means that any running back, if you have a pulse, you're going to run for 100 yards at some point. And <laughs> if you're in a Kyle Shanahan offense, uh, you know, same with a Mike Shanahan offense earlier, uh, you know, like 10, 15 years ago. Trey Sermon was really good this last year at Ohio State. We all remember his Sugar Bowl performance against Clemson where I think he ran over 200 yards. Jake, is is San Francisco's offense best with a feature back or are they going to continue to kind of ride the hot hand, you know, whether it be Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson Jr., or, or now in this case, Trey Sermon? It's great to have depth, always. It's great to have depth and to be able to have guys, multiple guys that you feel like you can turn to, but it's always at its best when you have a workhorse, when you have a guy that you that you know is going to be reliable, that's going to be there, um, and that's going to give you that consistent production. And so, you know, I, I think that Trey Sermon, it's a great pick, Curtis, because Trey Sermon has everything uh, in terms of running back that I really think has what it takes in Shanahan's scheme to be successful right out of the gate. And uh, we'll see if he's able to win the job from Raheem Mostert, but uh, it's going to be Raheem Mostert's job to lose. And uh, as we've seen over the years, the problem with Mostert is he just hasn't been able to stay healthy like many other running backs uh, in the NFL, but they just continue to keep adding to that depth, and I was a solid pickup by them. Are there any nightmare scenarios left for you? Could any of these remaining teams in the NFC West outside of Seattle make a move both in the free agency period after or in the draft in the remaining few picks or the remaining rounds, few rounds and picks in the draft? Is there anything that would genuinely scare you as a Seahawk fan of any of these moves that could be made by the other teams? Uh Hard to be determined. It's it's hard to, to, to say one move right now. I think I would love to see Richard Sherman out of the NFC West, mm-hmm. even even though you know physically he's not the same player as he once was younger. Um, but just anytime you have a player that has that veteran that veteran leadership that he does, the swagger he does, and then also the playmaking ability, any given play that Richard Sherman has, I'd like to see that out of the NFC West uh, if possible. Um, in terms of as an opponent. But I think that there's going to be a lot of activity that happens post-draft, post-June 1st. When the dead cap money gets turned around and you're not having to deal with as big of a dead cap hit to certain teams, I think that normally you're dealing with guys like Ezekiel Ansah. You're dealing with guys that maybe they've got a high ceiling, but they've, they're dealing with a lot of stuff. They're, they're, they're past their prime or they're very injury-ridden. But there's going to be a lot of good football players out there. And so we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. But there's not anybody out there right now, Taylor, that I'm like, oh, man, I I don't want to see them go to the NFC West. Nobody that I fear at this point. 
Looking at the Rams and what they've done, obviously the Seahawks won the division a year ago, but I don't know if anybody would confidently say that the Seahawks were the best team in the NFC West after what the Rams did to them in the postseason uh, and beating them two out of three times a year ago. When we look at what the Rams have done today and also on Friday and Thursday night, do we think that the gap between them and the Seahawks is is much closer than what it is, or, or are we still kind of looking at an uphill battle here in the NFC West when it comes to sort of overtaking the Rams? Uh, great question. I think that when you brought in Gabe Jackson, that was a legitimate upgrade. I think that that was an upgrade that made your group better. And what you've had at the left guard position is basically a revolving door over the last you know five to seven seasons and now you've brought in a, a proven commodity who is not pat, well past his prime. This is a guy that still has a lot left in the tank and, and a lot of good play left in him. And uh, I think that he has the ability to uh, make himself a, a factor for this team and get them closer to the Rams and, and to uh, limit the defensive line's production that the Rams have had against the Seahawks over the last few years. And that's really what it comes down to, guys. For me, when it comes to the Rams, uh, skill-wise, I feel like they match up very well against the Rams, but they've always struggled in the trenches. Always struggled in the trenches versus the Rams, and and I think that they have improved their roster uh, in that area. So I do think the gap has been closed, and I do think that it's, it's going to be – a brutal matchup anytime that they go up against each other. Uh, but uh, I, I think that the Seahawks have, have put themselves in prime position to compete for the division again. When we return here on Saturday draft coverage, we'll get you caught up with some picks made in the fifth round. And also we'll take a look at some of the local guys where they've landed in this draft. We saw a few go off the board earlier in the draft. How are they going to impact their new teams? Guys like Levi Anzarike, guys like Elijah Molden. So many players coming from this area heading into the NFL. We'll take a look at those guys next. Here as 710's draft coverage rolls on here on NFL Draft Saturday.